At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786-708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786-708-0813 to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is part two of our NFL Draft Preview 2020 edition. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And today we're covering the defense. But before we get to that, I wanted to touch on something before we move on to talk about uh, defensive line prospects. And have you guys seen this Dave Gettleman photo that is making the rounds on Twitter? Of course, I passed it to you. I know, I know. But, you know, I'm trying to set you up for that, okay? Simon, have you seen it? I, I have. I love his hand sanitizer. Okay, that, okay, that's where we're going with this, all right? Simon gets to go first. We're going to play a little game here. What is he missing in that room? Simon, you go first. Tissues, stripper pole. Um, I mean, what, what's he missing? Any technology that was built after 1998. <laughs> um, I love the fact that his mouse is still connected to his computer. <laughs> I see that. No, that's I really good. That. That's brilliant. I mean, does, does he not have a proper mouse? What's... <laughs> What's that all about? He doesn't even need a mouse. What's wrong with him? He's also only got, like I saw, um, 
in Peter King's column on Monday, they Tom Telesco, the Chargers GM, took a photograph of his setup. Uh-huh. He, I counted six computer screens on his like desk area and three televisions. Dave Gettleman's literally got one old laptop, probably like a Dell from like 1996. <laughs> that he's still playing, old... he's still paying the lease on, right? It, yeah, it's with... it's a kitchen it's a kitchen table chair too. <laughs> yes. No, well, and he I, has I an think it's fascinating. Jet, he has an inkjet printer on the floor, if you've noticed. Yeah. I think it's fascinating seeing all these coaches in there and, and GMs. Like um, Thomas Dimitrov did his whole sort of tour of how the draft, you know, how his office was looked and, and what would happen on draft night and how everything was set up. Andy Reid is using one of his old his wife's old, or indeed his old wife, um, one of his wife's old antique tables in the basement. Um, Telesco, Telesco set up in the kitchen with these five computers, six computers, and three TVs. And there's Dave Gittleman with his hand sanitizer. His, oh, his oh, but let's not forget what else he has out there. Yeah, there's lotion right there. behind the hand sanitizer is the hand lotion. A little bit of love lotion. A little what bit of love lotion has- at the computer desk. Well, I'm fascinated. What do you think he has written on that post-it note that he has stuck to his laptop? His passwords. Um, trade down his passwords it's it's his passwords and his password is don't trade down <laughs> okay yeah and i love that book that he has in front of him is that is that all the workups they have on all his prospects all like two thousand of them are on all in there i like, sincerely hope he is thumbing through that book furiously during the 10 minutes that he's on the <laughs> clock like trying to find the name of the guy he wants to draft did you see the interview he did today he says that it's a bit different this year because you can't smell the prospects. Mm. Mm. That's or touch, interesting. Or in feel them. Can't oh, yeah, smell well, them or feel them. No. <laughs> yeah, well, that's unfortunate, but he does have the hand lotion, so he can, you know. Yes, and that mug. What is that mug? I don't get that. It's part. like a bear. There's a yeah. bear there. There's a bear on that mug. He has two legal pads, by the way. And if you notice the legal pads, one is yellow and one is white, mm-hmm. which is odd. And uh, his one mouse pad is, is draft, another legal pad. One is draft these guys, and the other is don't draft these guys. Probably, yes. And the mouse pad is another legal pad. So this guy likes his legal pads. Oh, is, is, is his mouse pad a legal pad? Yes, I believe so. Oh, oh it does look like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, so, man. yeah, this guy's big on legal pads. Nice. Wow, what a setup, man. He's going to spill his coffee on the laptop right in the middle of the draft. <laughs> and- Yes, I can't wait. Who's gonna do? Who's? Gonna, he's obviously the favorite, right? He's the it's favorite. It's really nice wainscoting, though, in the back, in the background. Nice and clean. Very yeah. nice and clean. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, enough about Dave Gettleman. The Dolphins did a lot of heavy lifting on the defensive end, so you would think, okay, they're not spending a first-round pick this year on another defensive player because they spent all this money this off-season, but. Can you see a first rounder on the defensive side of the football, Simon? And at what position? I mean, you know, we were talking in the WhatsApp group over the weekend. You know, the Dolphins really, really like a number of defensive players. And it starts with Derek Brown. The Dolphins love Derek Brown. I, I, I know this as fact. I've had it confirmed to me by two different sources. They love Derek Brown, one of the highest floor prospects in this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, he is everything that Brian Flores would would look at, would look for in terms of uh, uh, helping to change the culture, helping to, you know, as a leader, you know, he's also an outstanding player, um, <laughs> which also helps. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, you know, I think that, that one of those three picks certainly would go on a defensive player. If I had to put my money, I would say it would be a safety. Mm. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, you can pick your poison really, depending on what you feel like or what the team feel like they need. And at the moment, I don't think anybody particularly knows who's going to be playing at what position at safety. Excuse me, whether, you know, Bobby McCain stays at free safety, you know, who's going to be where. Mm. So that would, you know, you would potentially say that all, all bets are off in terms of, you know, are you looking for a, a, a pure sort of single high guy like a, like a Grant Delpit, you know, and a guy who's an outstanding blitzer? Are you looking for a Minka Fitzpatrick redux in an Xavier McKinney type? Are you looking for Anton Winfield? Are you looking at Ashton Davis, who obviously knows Gerald Alexander, our new DB's coach, really well? So I, I just don't think you can judge at the moment. I think obviously 26 or 18 would be too high for Davis, but... Um, if I had, if I was a betting man, I would say that 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 safety would probably be the the highest um, uh, possibility in terms of defensive player. Now, what about? I got to ask you this then. What what about what about Bobby McCain then? I mean, because I have heard I have heard that the Dolphins view Bobby McCain as more like of of a third safety, um, and so that would mean that they they certainly need the position. Um, like, do, does that squeeze him out? If they if they go with Ashton Davis, Ashton Davis I think is a really good bet, just because mm-hmm. not only is the even if you didn't know about Gerald Alexander coming over from Cal and and coaching Miami's D, and DBs and you know the relationship he's obviously got between with Ashton Davis, if you didn't know that Ashton Davis would be like the prototype free safety that Miami mm-hmm. could go get for this defense hundred percent. And if you think that free safety is what they need i mean he's he's fast he's obviously got that track history and and you know he's yeah. an extraordinarily uh, good athlete but he hits really well i mean he comes down he comes down in support you know really really good or really well what am i my english is like me docs okay. um, but he comes yeah he comes down he comes down in support really well for a uh for a free safety, which is something you need to look for because they're the last line of defense and that's part of the problem with bobby man but does this i mean is bobby out he's he's highly paid i mean is i mean we've had this conversation a year ago on the on the pod is bobby mccain what we would say you know is bobby mccain going to be a guy who's playing free safety for a super bowl winning team mm. i'm not mm. sure that's the case no. is bobby mccain a valuable piece to to be on the back end probably is he a too expensive piece to be mm. on the back end, potentially, is his best position slot corner? I still believe it probably is. Um, but how much is too much when it comes to what he's paid vis-a-vis what he delivers, I think, ultimately? Yeah, and I don't think, uh, you know, I've said it before, I don't think Bobby McCain is for long here because they kept trying to find a spot for him last year, if you noticed. They kept trying him in different places. I think they were trying to see if they could add versatility to his repertoire, and maybe that's how he sticks around here. But I think his future is at slot corner, and I don't know. He seems to have slowed down considerably, and I wouldn't pay what we're paying him to just play one position on this defense when they want a bunch of guys that they can move around and do several different things. No? Yeah, I wonder. It's five five and a half million dollars he's due in twenty twenty, which is mm-hmm. uh, his salary. Uh, forgetting all about 
cap hits and all that that nonsense um and then six four six point four million the next year and seven million the year after i i just don't see him collecting the remainder of this contract yeah oh i don't either yeah all right let's move on to interior linemen and if we need one i would say we need a zero for a fact we don't have a no tackle mm. type on this team i think although they did spend some money in namely shaq lawson and they kind of like what they have at defensive tackle. I still think that they're kind of light there. And I would use one of the, our top 100 picks on a defensive end type. I don't know if we'd use really? one on a zero type, but a 3-4 a defensive end type. Simon, what do you have on tap? And then I'll give you mine. I mean, I think if you're looking interior defensive linemen, then obviously for me it starts with Derek Brown, who I think is – you know, arguably one of the top three or four players in the draft. And, you know, for me, actually, I think he's probably one of the best one or two players in the draft. We all like Javon Kinlaw. He's a bit raw, I think. But, you know, he can he can play inside, outside. I think he is sudden as a, and powerful. I was impre- really impressed with, you know, you go back and watch some of those pit battles that he had with Damien Lewis in um, uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, it was just a fantastic matchup between the two. I don't think he's right for us, but I think Ross Blacklock is an interesting player at TCU. I like Justin Madabrique at Texas A&M. The guy I really like, and we've talked about this in the WhatsApp, is Devon Hamilton of Ohio State. We talked mm. about him last week. Mm. You know, a guy who can look. You know, he can. He's big. He can. He can hold up. I think as a, as a zero technique nose tackle. Very he's powerful. Also, Very oh, powerful. extremely mm. powerful. But also, you know, we talked about it early downs. He looks. Mm there's times where he just flashes immense pass rush ability. It, it tends to wane as the game goes on. And I wonder whether it's a fitness issue, a conditioning issue. Um, and I'll run through the list later on. There's the, there's a number of players, the Dolphins, you know, we've been working to confirm players. The Dolphins have been talking to post the senior bowl, Lecky Foto, the Utah nose tackle is a guy that they've shown interest in. They've had FaceTimes with, you know, you could see him potentially coming, you know, looking around about that 70th pick, that would be a good target area for, for a guy like Lecky who could, um, you know, who could play that spot. But, you know, Devon Hamilton is a guy that I think, you know, would be a really good fit for this team. In terms of the, the three, four ends, you know, you're looking at, you know, where do you, where do you think your Gross Matos plays? Where do you think AJ Epinesa plays? Mm-hmm. You know, can you work them as three, four ends? Marlon Davidson at, at Auburn, Raekwon Davis at Alabama, and Guy the Dolphins have, uh, have had a FaceTime meeting with Jordan Elliott of Missouri. He's kind of strong, long, you know, I think he's a three technique guy that, you know, he can bring pressure. And the kid I really like as well, you know, probably not, he's going to probably fall in that area between Miami picking at 70 and picking at 141, 143, whenever it is, is the kid at uh, LSU whose name now completely escapes me, but just an, you know, an absolutely outstanding human. Uh, Yeah. Rashad Rashad Lawrence. Rashad Lawrence. Yeah. Mm. Just, uh, you know, just an intriguing mid round, incredibly hardworking kid. The coaches are going to absolutely love him. Three-year team captain, um, a mentor for players at LSU. He's the, you know, he is, you know, he would be Brian Flores' son in terms of, you know, what he brings in terms of that mental makeup. Um, just, you know, I like him as a player as well. But I, I think there's, I think it's a really interesting defensive line class. But you know, for me, I think I, I, we are, we are all big fans of Deron Hamilton. It will be interesting to see where he ends up because I suspect he goes higher than, than some people think he might. You know, Devon Hamilton is like a two for two downs at a time. Devon Hamilton is like Derek Brown, <laughs> mm. um, and that's that's what he reminds me of. That's that's how he plays, and he played against good competition. So I think he's 
I think he's good. But uh, a guy that we've seen the Dolphins pay some attention to that I actually I, I took a look at him, took a closer look at him, and I really like him, um, is Darian Daniels of, of Nebraska. Mm. And and I think that you probably have to you probably have to reconcile with him not having played a ton um, and having transferred from Oklahoma State and figuring out his background and what's going on there. Um, but we are talking about he's over six foot three. He's three hundred and eleven pounds. He ran a five one five. Um, you know he he broad jump was over nine feet nine feet and twenty seven inch vertical. You know for for a big guy we're we're talking fairly decent stuff here. And his wingspan is like eighty two inches, six foot ten. So I'm um, thirty four inch arms. I mean he's he's got the build. And when you watch him, he uses the. I mean, it's one thing to have the build, but it's another thing to be able to use the build um ideally on the field and you can tell that he uses his build he knows how to use it uh his his length and uh and strength so i would watch him especially since i think we all think that they they might need a body that can be sort of a zero or a um mm. you know a space eater mm. type um really lengthy length is so important for them on the defensive line in this system Again, that's why you look at a Darian Daniels and six foot ten inch wingspan and thirty four inch arms. Um, so I, but at the same time, I don't see them using an early pick on that. Um, using uh, going with somebody like uh, like Derek Brown, um, which they would probably have to do at five, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't see I don't see them going with that sort of player pretty early. But I do see it, you know, somewhere down in the draft and the depths of draft in terms of adding somebody to the line. Uh, you know, that could be that could be a guy, Darian Daniels. I'd keep an eye on him. As for the edge and the sort of the five technique guys that we're talking about, considering they added Shaq Lawson. Um, and they added uh, what's his name, uh, Emmanuel Agba. I'm just not. Let's not forget about Zach C- Siler uh, that they, they picked up late in the year. Six foot six, two hundred ninety pounds. He played out of his mind in the Cincinnati game. Yeah. Uh, and and he was. And by the way, he only like played in like three games. And the game before the Cincinnati game, I think he had like a dozen snaps or something like that. And I, I looked at him. I was like, holy shit! You know, he looked really good. Uh, and then the next game against Cincinnati, they went ahead and gave him like the full game to play, and he played out of his mind. And then the next game, I, I forget if he got injured or whatever. Whatever happened, they just didn't play him that much, and maybe they decided that they want to try out some other other players they've seen enough. But don't count him out whatsoever because this is this is going to be a significant find, I think, on the defensive line. He's a he's a very athletic guy, tests really well. Um, and so I, I think that they've the defensive tack or tackle slash defensive end five tech kind of switch hitter kind of guy between Christian Wilkins and Devon Gottschaw, Emmanuel Agba, Shaq, um, Shaq Lawson, inside outside versatility, and then Zach Sealer adding on to it. I don't know. I kind of think that they might be done. Um, so you know, watch out for those, and then. You know, yeah, zero technique, but probably bargain level guy. Um, one name I'll throw out there, and it's—I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, it's—it's uh, it's from West Georgia. His name is Azoya Alafahai, and he was at the shrine. He was at the shrine practices. He is a monster 
uh, in terms of size. And I mean, I, I looked at him and it is just an incredible, but you know, you know, when you look at a guy that's like, you know, yeah, he's big and all that, but you're like, he's, he's more than just big. Like he's built, he's got an 82 inch wingspan. He's six foot four and a half, 313 pounds. Um, you know, did had a really good results at his pro day, which he did manage to have again, 34 inch arms, 10 and a half inch hands. He's a big human. <laughs> and, um, and I, he, he did all right. He did all right. And, um, at the shrine practices that I saw, he didn't play in the game itself. Uh, so I, I would keep an eye on somebody like him, somebody, somebody that they're, they might look at in the undrafted range or maybe in the seventh round range, somebody you might not have heard of, I guess. And um, and we'll see. I'll give you a couple. Uh, of course, Marlon Davidson. I think we've all mentioned him. But whenever you tune in to watch Notre Dame, everybody tunes in to watch Julian O'Quara. And the guy that I, I, I always gravitate to watching is Khalid Kareem. Mm-hmm. And I have my notes on him. And I guess this kind of tells it all. Uh, he has lateral limitations, meaning he doesn't seem like a great athlete. And he's not particularly giant because he's 6'4", 270 pounds. So you wouldn't think of him as a 3-4 end, but it's harder. To, it's hard to find in this draft a guy that kicks more ass inside of a five-yard box than Khalid Kareem. His film is just – it's violent, and he is as good a run stopper as there is at as a five-tech anywhere in this draft. And I'd hate to earmark pick number 70, but I'd be tempted because I think that's where he's going to go. I don't know if you've seen much of him – Simon, and do you have an opinion? Yeah, I've seen him. I like him. I think he fit, I, th- I think he fits uh, what absolutely what we do. I, and I think it's interesting, uh, you know, going through some of the names that that Chris has just talked about. You just touched about, and then some of the names that we know that the Dolphins have met with. And I'll, I'll run through in a sec the, the defensive line positions. Chris talking about Darren Daniels. There. I know the Dolphins also worked him out. Chris, you probably know this as well, but they worked him out as an offensive tackle as well as on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So they actually went to the to the pro day there and worked him out uh, both uh, on both essentially on both lines. I think it's intriguing to look at some of the players because they're clearly not done at that edge position. Um, five, seven, nine, whatever you want to call it, you know, in terms of that, that edge rusher. You look at the guys that, you know, the outside rushers, then DJ Wanham, um, uh, Ty Phillips of Georgia Southern, uh, Chauncey Rivers of Mississippi State, who if you watched Last Chance, you probably would have seen him there. Um, Tashawn Wharton, Michael Danner of Michigan, Ladarius Hamilton of North Texas. These are all sort of, you know, Wharton is six foot four, 255 pounds. These are all guys in that sort of 250 to early 260 range. Really, Foto is the only, you know, you look at slightly bigger guys in the realm, Murchison, Jason, uh, Jason Stowbridge. But generally, you know, you're looking at those uh, at those sort of pass rushes and it makes, it makes you feel like they're, they're definitely not done there. I, I wonder about Kareem, Alf. I wonder whether or not he mm-hmm. lasts as long as as the 70th pick. Uh, Can I just say something about Treshawn Wharton, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was at the Shrine practices as well. Okay. And, yeah, he was um, – and he was a surprise, you know, I think surprised many. He's a six foot one and 280-pound guy. But, um, you know, and, and not a particularly big wingspan, big hands. Um, but what he is is just really athletic for that that build. Like he's going to – like he's a he's a 4'7 or 4'8 type of athlete at that 6'1", 280-pound uh, stature. So 
and and he jumped out immediately for that. He doesn't know what he's doing, but um, or it didn't seem like he knew what, knew too much of what he was doing. Uh, but he was one of the biggest standouts among all of the defensive line in that Shrine Week. I, I think that's that would be a strong. I'm I'm glad the Dolphins are paying some attention to him. What size did you say it was? Because this is this is this is uh, the kind of fascinating uh, dichotomy between uh, actual, you know, when coaches get their NFL coaches get their hands on players and how they're listed. Because Warren is listed here on the website um, uh, at six foot four mm-hmm. and two hundred and two hundred and fifty five pounds. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's uh, well, that's that telling some tale. Uh, pretty, that is yeah. pretty, so this is yeah this is the missouri s&t website yeah yeah four, well everything's pounds. bigger everything's bigger as missouri s&t i guess well, uh, well, yeah, no, he, he measured out he measured out the shrine uh game and they got him at uh six six oh one oh so six foot one even yeah and uh 280 pounds and uh with a six foot four inch wingspan and you know 31 a little over 31 inch arms um, so not not a particular. I mean, hey, you look huge when you're in when you're on Missouri S and T tape. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it it still it wasn't it was it was the inside outside versatility that sort of player. Uh, he's yeah. very fast. Actually, he reminded me. He's not this. I know. I know he's not this. But you know, he reminded me a little bit of Aaron Donald. Um, and that's that's the kind of player that you're tweet, looking. Tweet at that. Him. Tweet that. Chris. Says yeah, I'll tweet. <laughs> yeah. See. See Aaron Donald. You know, I, I shouldn't tweet that because, you know, I was such a huge fan of Aaron Donald. So I can't like, you know, now I'm saying that this guy is is an elite player, but he's not. But still. Yeah. Now, to finish up with the interior lineman and the three, four ends, uh, Simon, you follow Alabama closer than anybody else. Is Raekwon Davis a disappointment? Because I look at his um. career and – I like to oh I always like to do this. I always like to look at what people were saying two years ago. Raekwon Davis was considered a top five pick two years ago. And right. now he's hoping to be late first round, early second. So was his career a disappointment? Um, I think it probably was a bit of a disappointment. I mean he's a big human being. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's giant. What, is he si- almost six foot seven and three hundred and eleven pounds. Remember what he was. Six oh six one and three eleven. Okay. I mean, what I would say is that I don't think that he maximized his potential. And it, I have to say that, you know, and I, look, we can be, I, I can be a, a hypocrite, I suppose, because I will often say, you know, people will say to me, oh, you know, Tua can't be any good because uh, Alabama hasn't had a good, you know, there's not been a good Alabama quarterback in the NFL since uh, Joe Namath, for example. And you say, well, you know, there was, yeah, there was never a great cow quarterback until uh, Aaron Rodgers came out. So, yeah. you know, thank God Green Bay didn't, didn't listen to that nonsense. But then the flip side is that you can say, actually, let's look back at some of those great Alabama defensive players over the last, defensive line players, certainly over the last five, six, seven years, slightly underwhelmed mm-hmm. by them. You know, Quinn and Williams last year just looked all over, you know, didn't play particularly well. Deron Payne has kind of struggled a little bit. Um, the kid that we all thought couldn't miss that went to Washington, Jonathan Allen, kind of struggled. I mean, you know, not struggled, but, you know, hasn't really had that kind of breakout moment. I, I think Davis is not quite the sum of his parts yet, if that makes sense. I, I, I just don't necessarily see that consistent player that I wanted to see, given his physical tools, given the, you know, everything that he brings to the table. 
I just wonder, could you have been better? I know he's been, you know, I know he's had some injury issues and things, but I don't know. I just, he, I think he makes me nervous. I think, I, you know, like you say, I think he would have been a, would have been a first round lock. And I think he's got that, just that great size, the, the, the long arms. And I think, I don't know. I just, he would make me nervous. I've got to say, he's just a little bit uninspiring given the talent that he has. Alf, you're going to love this. You know what his wingspan is? Wow. <laughs> Give it to me. Seven foot one. Wow. <laughs> Seven foot one What's inch that? wingspan. Wow. 85 inch, inches. 85. Yeah, 85 inch wingspan, 34 inch arms, 11 inch hands, 11 inch hands. 11 inch hands. And he's six foot six. He's, he's just a shade over six foot six and 311 pounds. And he ran a five one those, two. He ran a five one two. With all those yeah. physical tools, though, you'd have expected him to bully linemen, offensive linemen in the SEC, you know, especially, you know, I mean, okay, not maybe not LSU or whatever, but you'd have expected him to make a bigger impression than he did. I think that's a fair comment to yep. make. But here's that is a fair point to make. Here's another um, name for you, though, Jordan Phillips. You know, um, and and that's I think you know what you probably this is a planet theory guy, and Jordan Phillips went high because he was a planet theory guy, and for as much trouble as Miami had with him and and ended up ditching him, um, he does make an impact at times, doesn't he? And and he is a good player at times, so. Um, maybe you're just betting on you're just betting on it to come on at some point because yeah. there are very few people that are six foot six inch, three hundred eleven pounds with eleven inch hands, thirty four inch arms, and seven foot one inch wingspan like this. Yeah, uh, that run a five one two. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible um, what he is and how what he can do on the field. So somebody's going to bet on that and who knows how it comes up. There's um, I'm, I'm thinking of a guy, I think that plays for Chicago and I can't, I can't remember his name um, now, but uh, you know, it, yeah, that it giant guy. I forgot his name too. The guy, the guy who came from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, I don't know who you mean. Uh, is it Roy? Somebody with, has got a double barreled name. I don't know. A double barreled name. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could move on here, but we kind of agree there's not going to be a giant investment in this draft in interior linemen and three, four ends, right? We can agree. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah, mm. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounded like there's not going to be much of an investment. Now they did spend a little money. I guess Calvin Oy is an edge player, but Keem wow. Hicks, did he, did a Keem Hicks come from, from Canada? Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. And Re- yeah, and he's Regina, giant. wasn't it, or somewhere? Yeah, uh, Regina. Yeah, that's right. Regina Rams. I I almost thought you said vagina. By the way. Well, well, I'd, when you pronounce yeah. it, Regina. <laughs> Kiss my Regina, mate. Yeah. Well, you can. By the way, can uh huh? Can what? I just can I just get people to stop sending me their mock drafts as well, please? <laughs> <laughs> like some, some guys today drafted every uh, single offensive lineman in the big four and of course well, it's the greatest draft in the history of all time all these mock draft simulators are great fun but i've literally just looked at my twitter there i've got 57 notifications and i and and i would say about 45 of them are literally people sending me mock drafts or people commenting on other people's mock drafts and i've just been sitting it's just please make please make it stop <laughs> there's still two weeks to go make it stop yeah. 
Well, oh, I was I was mentioning before you know before we 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 got derailed by vagina talk. Uh, Regi- Regina. Talk. Yeah, Regina talk. Yes, I was mentioning they kind of signed an edge player in Kavanoi. Kind of, maybe, maybe, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean he plays on the edge. He'll yeah, he play does. a lot of snaps on. He's all over, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Emmanuel Ogba is kind of an edge player. Uh, he's he's going to be, if anything, for the Miami Dolphins, he's going to be more of an edge specialist. Mm. Like, he's not going to yeah. play inside that much. Uh, he can, but, I mean, you know. But I look at this draft and kind of stacked, huh? Especially in that top, like, I guess the top 60 pick area. Man, Really? Dude. On edge players? Like, you, you, think, you think stacked on – because that's where I think it's lacking. I mean, may, unless you count. So I'll Josh you, Uchi, you know, that's I'll give one you some thing. Play. Josh Uchi, I think, is toward the end of that top 60 area. But Kelvin Chason, Zach Bond, uh, of course, Uchi. I think Terrell Lewis is going to be highly drafted. Uh, Gross Matos. Even Julian Okwara, who I don't like. Jabari Zuniga, who is a favorite of all three of us. And mm-hmm. I think we had an argument of who brought him up first. I think Simon won that battle, didn't he? Yeah, son of a bitch. I mean, yeah. I, there's some good. <laughs> I think there's some. I think there's some good players. I just I, rattled off just, uh, Bradley and A. I, that's I rattled yeah. off seven guys. No, right there. there. It's pretty good. No, it's it, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth. Yeah. I just I take I take issue with the top of it, and I always have taken issue with the top of it with Chase mm-hmm. Young, followed by who you know, followed yeah. by Yutur Gross Matos, who I've always had some issues with, and the way that he plays AJ AJ Epineza, who you know has some very good qualities, but. When you're looking at him, he's also you're like he shouldn't be, like if he's if he's a top ten pick, like like people say that he is, then he shouldn't be this clearly like slow and and out of his depth when it comes to things athletic like speed wise and, and range. I think you're looking like at that. after Chase. Yeah, I think after Chase Young though, you're looking at your more off ball linebackers as much as anything really. Yes. Aren't you? Then, yes. Because I think the guys that we're you know we're slightly you know, it's that very difficult mix between are they an end, are they an off-ball linebacker? And when we, mean, when we say off-ball linebacker, you look at somebody who can essentially do, you know, you look at Josh Uche is the perfect example of that. He's somebody exactly. that can cover down the field. He's somebody that can push the passer. He's somebody that can, you know, play the run, set the edge, you know, do whatever. And I think then you're looking at Caleb Von Chayon, who is a very good all-round player who battled some injuries, I think. And, you know, you can you can see him as a pass rusher. You can see him as an off-ball linebacker because he's so athletic. You know, you watch him against Sam Cosme, the Texas left tackle, and, you know, early last season. And, you know, Cosme should be a, a high pick next year. Um, and it's, you know, it's generally, it's outstanding tape. I think the issue for me with Chason is that um, he, there, he has the, the Charles Harris disease a little bit in that he doesn't quite, you know, you just wonder, he had so many pressures and so few sacks in comparison. Yeah. You just wonder why he wasn't converting more of those pressures into into sacks. Look, Uche wouldn't surprise me. Chris and I have talked about this. I wouldn't be surprised if Uche went in the first round. You know, he, mm. he won't fit everybody's scheme. But I think, you know, he will play in a, He could play and play at a high level in a very varied amount of, of skis. He's a very good pass rusher. I think he's just an incredibly smooth athlete. The range of things somebody. he can do is incredible just to add yeah. because, because he, he, he reduces inside and he can rush over the guard, mm-hmm. right? He can, he can play over the tackle, you know, tight or, or certainly wide. He can play linebacker. You see him out in coverage in like Tampa two middle linebacker deep mm-hmm. coverage and see the way he runs. I mean, it, it's just anywhere. High IQ player as well. High IQ player. Uh, Daryl Taylor, the, the, the kid at Tennessee, is a guy I 
really like. I think he's a rare physical specimen who's got, you know, high-end tools to, to be a really, really good player. He can win with speed. He can win with, you know, using his length, his power off the edge. I think he dropped back into, into coverage. He can play the run really well. He understands leverage. He understands positioning. I, I think he's an, a fascinating player. And then, you know, Zach Bourne is a guy that we've not even talked about who mm-hmm. sounds like he failed a drugs test or at least there was excessive water used as a masking agent. Adam Schefter reported today in, at the combine. We'll see how that affects his stock. Mm-hmm. He said that he's written to all 32 teams to say it was just trying to put on weight by just drinking copious amounts of water before the before the weigh-in at the combine but that will obviously be a question mark but uh, it, it's a very interesting that sort of dynamic between you know gross matos is not going to be an off-ball linebacker is he a you know and then where do you see him where do you see Ebenezer versus where do you, you see guys like Uche and the differentiation between those two positions is getting sort of bigger and bigger and bigger. There's the, the more years that we go on, but I think there's some, I do think there's some intriguing players. There. We haven't talked about, you know, a guy that Chris was ridiculously high on a long time ago, which is Alex Highsmith of, yeah. of Charlotte, who looks like he could play early as a sort of sub pack package pass rusher. We mm-hmm. all know that the Clemson guys, you know, Tremaine Ancrum and, and John Simpson and, and Dabo Sweeney called him one of the best rush threats they, 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 they faced in 2019, you know? So That's, I think, Something to be yeah. to be mentioned about Kelvin Chason is on that team, which is one of the most, I guess, talented teams in the history of college football. He was handed the number eighteen jersey, which is kind of a big deal in LSU, and it's it's given to uh, supposedly their highest character leader on the team. He's mm-hmm. essentially the team captain, including the Heisman Trophy winner, by the way. Okay. He oh, I think they'll they'll, they'll have fifteen or sixteen players drafted in the, the yeah, LSU. They'll have 15 or 16. I did a piece for the magazine. Wow. That yeah. they've, got a long, they've got a long snapper whose brother is the long snapper for the Bills. He is, um, he is for the last two years, he's won the award for the best long snapper in college football. Wouldn't surprise me if he was the 16th player drafted. They had all 16 players. With, they had nine, they've got 19 graduating players who are eligible for the, for the draft. 16 of them went to the combine. Um, it's an it's an incredible class. I mean, the interesting thing about Chase on is that his father was was murdered when he was thirteen. He was shot shot and killed. He hadn't played football for about eighteen months and went to uh, essentially sort of a, one of those elite camps to to support a friend. Um, and literally was just sat on the sideline. And friends were telling coaches, "Look, the guy over there hasn't played f- football for a while, high school football for a while, but he's really talented." Coach persuaded him to put some shoes on. He had no he'd had no offers. By the end of the session, he had five offers from teams including one from LSU just based on that performance alone he you know he has ridiculous talent but you, you look at these these LSU class I mean the the stories behind them are, are phenomenal I think you know you look at I think in the modern essentially since the draft went from 12 rounds to 7 in 94 Ohio State the team with the most overall picks in a single draft which is 14 in 2004 and, and Miami had six in one year um, in 2004, which is obviously the record. But I think if you look at this, SS, uh, this LSU draft class, you've got, and going through them, you've got Stephen Sullivan, the tight end, essentially homeless. His parents were arrested. They lived in a flea pit hotel. Parents were arrested. Him and his brother lived under a bridge on the outskirts of Dallas. He was rescued by a little league football coach. You've got Rashad Lawrence, the you know, five-star prospect who had a full beard, a full beard at 13, had to take his, uh, he, had to take, uh, he had to take a birth certificate to game because authorities uh, believed that he was a ringer. A full beard. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, his defensive line coach said, I've been coaching 52 years. He's the toughest player I've ever coached. He's a yeah, serious me, dude. That reminds me of the story of uh, Teddy Atlas when he used to take Mike Tyson to the smokers in New York, which mm. were these underground fights. And Mike Tyson was 13 years old. And the other, the other trainers used to have 16-year-olds. And they would look at him and tell him, Teddy, what are you trying to pull here? <laughs> hmm. You've got the kind of the unwanted one. You've got Joe Burrow, the, 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 the quarterback who in just before Christmas 2013 was, was essentially DMing uh, recruiting experts on Twitter saying, you know, are there any specific camps I should go to because I've had no offers? Now all of a sudden he's the Heisman Trophy winner, almost, gonna be the, almost certainly going to be the number one overall pick. You've got Patrick Queen, essentially known as the Miracle Baby. His, his, dad, played, um, his dad played college ball at Nickel State for early in the 80s, but was a massive LSU fan. They'd had two girls and were told they couldn't have any more kids and, and Mrs. Queen fell pregnant and... Uh, rumor has it that when Patrick was born, his dad lifted him to the sky and said, you, you're the miracle baby. You're destined to be an LSU Tiger. Now he's going to be likely a first-round pick. Justin Jefferson, three-star afterthought. His brother, obviously, was uh, Jordan Jefferson, who played quarterback in the BCS Championship game in 2011. You've got Lloyd Cushenbury, a massive chip on his shoulder, a two-star left tackle who was supposed to be going to Mississippi State, ended up going to LSU because he got a scholarship on on National Signing Day, but only to play centre rather than left tackle. Thaddeus Moss, five high schools in four years. Obviously, son of Randy Moss, he's going to get drafted. You've got the two Katrina refugees, Sadiq Charles and Grant Delpit. Obviously, Charles has got some off-field issues, but should get drafted. Delpit, we all know how good he is. Damian Lewis, son of a drug dealer. His father was a was a who served seven and a half years of a seventeen year sentence for for sale of cocaine. Lives in one of the most impoverished places in all of America, in Canton, Mississippi. Obviously, Chase on his father was shot dead. You got Michael Divinity suspended four times for for marijuana abuse at, uh, at LSU. You got Jacob Phillips, who was falsely accused of rape um, when he first came to LSU. Um, Charges were dropped because they were found not to be credible. Christian Fulton, obviously banned for playing for two years, uh, which was then reduced down to one year for for cheating a drugs test when he uh, he essentially used somebody else's urine um, during a PED test. Um, and then you've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was involved in the fatal shooting um, <laughs> when he and a, another teammate went to um, went to. Um, essentially sell some um, electronic equipment in a car park and the guy pulled a, pulled a gun on them and, and, and threatened to shoot them if they didn't hand it over. So one of Edwards Hilaire or, um, or his teammate essentially shot, um, shot the guy and killed him. But the, the, the police, uh, they called the police, they waited, they were cooperative and, and the prosecutor confirmed they essentially responded with justifiable force. And then you've got the, um, the long snapper that I mentioned just before, um, just before this all started. So 16 potential prospects who could and probably likely should get drafted, which would break the record and be one hell of a haul for, um, for Ed Orgeron's team. Yeah, I got 11 guys in the top 100. And tell me if you would add Crazy. anybody to this top 100. Okay, I got Burrow, Queen, Chason, Jefferson, Hilaire, Cushenberry, um, Fulton, Delpit, Lewis, Charles, Lawrence. That's my top 11 in the top 100. Anybody else sneaks in there? Did you say Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Yeah. I mean, Lawrence, Burrow, Queen, Jefferson, Cushenbury, Delpit, Lewis, Chason, Fulton, Edwards-Alaire, maybe Phillips, but unlikely. I think he's probably the next likely to go 
Mm. After no, that, he won't, he, won't, he won't go in the 100 yard line. No, he probably won't. But I think he's probably the next one off the next cab mm. off the rank, as it were. Mm. But I mean, that's still a phenomenal number. Yeah, well, we've been incredible team. Yeah, it's an yeah. one, of, maybe the greatest of all time. And I, and I know it's sacrilege to say that down here in Miami, but wow, what a team! What a team this this us you know. I mean, how do you how, how do you how just do you stop Clemson in that championship game? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Nebraska seventy one team. You got remember that you know, obviously Miami's two thousand and one team loaded with forty odd players that went on to the NFL. You know. People argue the Army's team. Yeah, after and the, 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 the 86 Canes that lost to, to Penn State may have been the greatest team of all time, also. And they lost. I think the key word, the key word there was lost to Penn yes. State. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Army's team beat took the, the six best teams in the nation and beat them by an average, an average of 45 to 6. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a team. <laughs> Did they, did they do they bring their weapons to the field i think so yeah <laughs> uh, the, the court they're the running back just drove around in a tank <laughs> ran people over so yeah well i've been i've been parading a lot of edge players and five tacks and zero tacks and defensive tackles and i don't think we're buying much like we're just you know like just playing around the edges and now that you that i'm going to give up i'm going to give you guys some linebackers a lot of hybrid types. I don't suspect that either of you are going to be buying much in the top 60. Let's say with any of our picks leading up to pick number 70. Great players. They're all hybrids. I would say the best of the class are all hybrids. Except maybe maybe Malik Harrison is more a traditional type and Jordan Brooks of Texas Tech. But Simon, are you buying anything with any of your picks up to pick number 70? The, the, play, my top five linebackers would be Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, Marcus Bailey of Purdue, who to me is a first round, an absolute nailed on first round pick if he doesn't have the injury issues. And then Willie Gay of Mississippi State, who never started a game there, but is a, just a ridiculous player, um, but has had a number of off-field issues, including smashing the orbital bone of the face of his, of his own quarterback. Um, but... I mean, I don't necessarily. I don't really see Queen and and Murray as the. You know, I know that Jerome Baker is not a Brian Flores archetype, but Queen and Murray, I don't think necessarily fit. Obviously, we know Simmons fits, but feels like he's going to be off the board. You know, in the first sort of five or six picks, um, the Dolphins have shown interest in Marcus Bailey, um, which is, which is pleasing. He's a great kid, um, just a tremendous three down linebacker. Obviously, two torn ACLs, one in the first season at Purdue, then played forty games. Uh, with no issues at all and uh, and really put himself on the map. And then tore his ACL the back end of last season. He released a video last week showing how back to normal he was. And I, I think he's a great player, but obviously there is a concern about about the injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Dolphins seem fairly, you know, it feels like we're, you know, it feels like Raekwon McMillan and, and, um, and Jerome Baker are the guys. Um, and it doesn't. Well, don't feel forget like Kyle stuff. Van Noy, what he can and do. Kyle Van Noy, yeah. yeah. And Vince, Vince Beagle plays in space. I mean, that's sure. But it feels like they're more Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah, but it feels like they're more. Um, and Aguavon is like a specialist now. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't I? Don't think he's making the team, frankly. Um, I, yeah, I, I, would say I mean, personal thing. I, I kind of view. Sorry, I slightly view Beagle and Van Noy as, as more. Uh, I, I, I suppose. 
uh, Baker's not a traditional linebacker, but certainly McMillan is much more traditional. How you know, in inverted commas, Baker obviously is a great blitzer, but in terms of bless you, um, in terms of um, you know guys like um, Beagle and Van Ginkle, you know you see them rushing the passer off the edge perhaps more than you would, um, you know. Raquel McMillan, for example. So, but don't forget that they signed a Landon Roberts too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a real again, linebacker. Yeah, he's a real linebacker. He's a real linebacker. I, I, for me, I just don't think it's necessarily a position of need. I think the the interest in Bailey is one in which you know if he does if he does tumble into the you know maybe into the early third day because of the issues the injury issues then then perhaps you make a move for a guy you invest you know the the risk reward is 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 not quite as great for somebody that you might invest in in you know in the second or third round but uh, if we came out of the draft without picking a linebacker at all i wouldn't be surprised you know a pure linebacker in inverted commas now let me give you one guy and i want to give it to you chris and you tell me what you think okay he is not as i would say he's not as athletic as our favorite texas tech linebacker but whose tape is better than Jordan Brooks against the run in this draft? Can you find wow, lots of people? I don't like Jordan Brooks at all. Really, um, you don't like? Yeah, him? I, no. I, I, I watched him. I watched him plenty, and yeah. you know, I, I tried to like him, but there's there's just not much there that that's really striking to me. It, it's well, tough he's for a, bit a linebacker. He's one dimensional. A I bit. Um, it, it's it's just tough for a linebacker to really impress me because the the ones in the NFL that are that are doing um, that are making making their way now are pretty athletic and uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there on Jordan Brooks, but I, I don't think uh, he, he's not striking me when I watch the, um, the tape and striking me with athleticism or just overall abilities. And I don't know. I'm just never, never, never like, I mean, he, I know he can run. I don't know. I don't like the guy. I just don't. Um, I've, I've watched him a bunch of times trying to like him, but I, I've got the same top five that Simon does basically, uh, except in a little bit different order ordering. It's still in, in no particular order. It's still Simmons, Queen, Gay, Bailey, and Murray. I mean, that's, that's who it is. And, um, and if you're not getting one of those guys, then you're going for sort of some, maybe some taking some shots and i think evan weaver california is a guy worth taking a shot on yeah um you know we if you're if you're going to take a shot on the athleticism then malik harrison or jacob phillips are specimens i mean there's there's no doubt about it there's um they're they're specimens if you're going to take a job take a shot on a um on sort of a coverage guy then you're looking at maybe davian taylor who simon you've talked Mm. about before as sort of a safety hybrid um or you know, Justin Sternod is not a safety hybrid, but he is, he is more of a coverage guy, um, mm. coverage linebacker type. Uh, you're going to take a shot at those guys. I've never particularly liked Jordan Brooks that much. Um, I know that he can run fairly fast, but I don't, I just don't think he looks it on tape six foot Oh, 240 pounds. Um, you know, I'm just not terribly interested in it. I, I think that they could take somebody late, and, you know, maybe, like you said, Simon, Marcus Bailey gets a little bit too far because of the injuries. There, there's, a, there's a roll of dice, maybe. Mm. Um, Evan Weaver played at Cal. We do have a Cal coach now. Um, there's a roll of the dice. Kaliki Hudson was a, a, safety, a safety linebacker hybrid at Michigan. Right. And um, and we took we took a we took his linebackers coach, basically, Anthony Campanile, 
um, who's specifically, you know, Hudson and Campanile have have mentioned each other a couple of times. And I think that's why when we did our, our mock on, on air before, we took Kaliki Hudson in the last mm-hmm. round. And I think that connection uh, could be important. Josh Uchi, um, you know, again, same connection with the coach that Miami has, uh, but also he can rush off the edge, but he's – he he can also probably play real linebacker like Zach Bond, like they're like everybody's planning for Zach Bond to do. Um, I I know that looking at Josh Uche in coverage, certainly he looks attractive when you got him running deep down the field and Tampa two type coverage um, because he's fast enough for it and and he can he can hit his marks and um, and really get and book it down there. Uh, somebody like that with that sort of inside outside versatility would really appeal to Brian Flores anyway. Um, whereas some of the other guys, the linebackers that we're talking about are, you know, more straight shots. And I feel like they might have enough straight shots because uh, we mentioned Raekwon McMillan, but also, you know, they just picked up a Landon Roberts. Um, and then they also got Jerome Baker. And, you know, uh, so I, Sam Agavon, I agree with you, but Terrell Hanks might actually make the team for all we know this year. Um you know, I think that I, I think they'll largely leave that position alone, uh, unless unless Marcus Bailey gets too far. But um, but otherwise, you know, we'll see. Now, the more I look at this group, and yeah, there are some hybrids. So let's just throw out a, a comparison, and maybe one of these guys is going to be this guy. But Darius Leonard, Simmons, Queen, Murray. I think we all all three of us have the same top three because. I don't have different. Murray at third. Okay. But I, would I say like that, him, though. I would say that those three guys are the hybrids, Simmons, Queen, Murray. Any of them yeah. better prospect than Darius Leonard? Well, Simmons, I mean, I mean, Darius Leonard has progressed into an all-pro linebacker. Uh, yeah. you know, the re- there was a reason it's he the was new taking... Breed. It's the new breed. It's, it's, what, it's where we're headed. It's this 6'4", 232-pound, uh, what used to be a strong safety type. Playing the game's changed so much, hasn't it? You know, you don't you don't see you know there's not so many Harry Carsons anymore because that's just not what you know we're a passing league now. I mean, Leonard's what six two two thirty four. Just looking now, yeah. six two yeah. two thirty combine. I think if anybody's like Murray, it's um it's, it was, it's it or sorry if anybody's like uh, Leonard, it's Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think Simmons is such a rare player, whereas Patrick Green is just a guy that. You know, it's just a fun guy to watch, sideline to sideline player. You know, he's smaller than Leonard, six foot two twenty nine. But um, you know, he, I, I like Queen a lot. I think he's an interesting player. But, the, but Simmons is just such a different. You know, I can't remember a player with the versatility versatility of Isaiah Simmons not for a long time. All right, and we we kind of all, all three of us kind of like Simmons. So let's let's wrap up the linebackers. We I guess we're not buyers uh, for a linebacker in this draft and. I, I I suspect, and I I think all three of us agree that the Dolphins are likely not to draft one, and if they do, it'll be on the edges somewhere around a six-round pick, maybe. So, where does the cream of the crop of this group, Isaiah Simmons, where does he end up, Simon? I mean, Giants at four, um, Chargers at six, Panthers at seven, Jaguars at nine. I think any of those landing spots could be any of those teams could be landing spots for for Isaiah Simmons. Detroit potentially. That's where I to partner it. with 
to partner with Davis um, and to play, you know, he would fit in a Matt Patricia defense. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of talk. We'll get onto corners in a sec. There's a lot of talk. Um, all of a sudden, that you know, Jeffrey Akuda is not flavor of the month, and that CJ Henderson is. But you know, let's <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see how that plays out next Thursday. All right, Chris, where does he end up? Um, I think I don't think it's going to be Detroit or um, or the Giants. I think the Giants are going to go with a tackle. I think yeah. Detroit is going to. Well, Detroit could trade down, frankly, um, but I think that they might be putting out some sort of a little bit of disinformation on the the whole Henderson versus Akuda yeah. thing, um, which means they might be trying to trade, or I'm not really sure. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be Simmons because uh, I think they 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 have picked up some guys to help uh, transition that defense. Um, you're really looking at like Carolina or uh, Jacksonville, I think. And, you know, people will say he fell. That's not really falling when you're still in the top 10. Um, I think it's about needs at that point. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think could be somewhere 7, 8, 9. Hmm. Well, let's move on to cornerbacks. Uh, my opinion is he'll go, he'll go to Detroit at 3. And if he doesn't go to Detroit at 3, he'll go to Detroit at 5. Hmm. That could be – yeah, I could see that. Okay. And well, 6. I guess – Oh, oof, oof. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not. Don't forget though. Don't don't forget. You could easily see the Chargers trading above Miami and then taking Justin Herbert and not Tua. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. I'll, 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 I'll be I'll be dancing I'll be dancing in my living room if that happens. Okay. I hope so. Because that means that the board just opened up for us. But speaking of the board opening up for us. Till Byron Jones got into town, I had us taking a, a cornerback with one of our first-round picks. I think that's over with now. But this is a really good class. In my opinion, it's a really good class. But all I've seen for the last four days is every analyst everywhere taking a big, giant dump on it. Simon, your thoughts on this cornerback class? I think it's a really good class. I think there's yeah. some really good players. I think it's a strong class, topped by Jeffrey Kuder. I think it's one of the best corners I've certainly graded in a, a number of years. You know, he's great in both press, in zone, he's smooth, he's athletic. He's, you know, he, I, I hate to put any great substance in what happens at the combine, especially in the drills, but you see him in those, you know, the backpedal drills and he's just flipping his hips from side to side. He just looks so smooth. He's, um, you know, he's very solid against the run, team captain. Um, I'm a bit, I like CJ Henderson. I think he's a really good player. I think he's incredibly twitchy. I think he's great coverage, pure cover corner. Um uh, I'm a big fan of Jeff Gladney at TCU. Uh, he would be my third corner. I just think he's tough as nails. Plays will play in your face the entire time. Uh, Noah Igbe, I can't even pronounce his second name. I'm not even going to try and do it. Noah, uh, <laughs> the corner from Auburn. Uh, I think he's a really good player. I like. I really like Christian Fulton. And then you, you look. You've got. You know, Jay, I see a lot of people. You know, positioning Jalen Johnson in the top twenty. AJ Terrell getting into the first round. You've got Damon Arnett of Ohio State is an interesting player. I think it's a really good class. You go, you know, you go out Amik Robertson. Dolphins have shown interest in Javaris Davis of Auburn. There's there's lots of solid players here. Um, but I think there's you know, I think there's four or five that could end up going in the first round, absolutely. Chris. Yeah, I think that he said it all. I mean, Cameron Dantzler, I don't know if you've you quite yeah, got I like Dantzler him, a lot. Cameron Dantzler deserves to be up there. I know he didn't, he ran disappointing at the combine. He ran, he ran again, you know, 
uh, and private and obviously ran much, much faster as mm. corners tend to do, but he, he ran much, much, much faster um, in private. So four, four, I think one or something, was it? Yeah. four, three, eight is supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, whether you trust it or not, who knows, but um, I think that he's worthy. He's, he's lengthy. Uh, you've always seen him as a, as a guy that's lengthy and can play press man, but has, unusual hips um for you know for a guy that's that's built the way he is and plays the way he does um i think that he's a good player once you get beyond dantzler to me it starts to well i i guess you know because there's it's all the guys you mentioned between akuda fulton igbenagane or whatever uh jalen johnson i don't know if you mentioned him at at utah he's really good C.J. Henderson, Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, Trevon Diggs, A.J. Terrell. Um, I don't know what you think, whether you think Damon Arnett is in a top group like that or not. Um, but that's, gosh, you, how many how many guys there that you're talking about? Like ten guys in a in a top group. I think um, this is the best. This is the best class because I'm looking back on drafts. I think this is the best class since the since the 2017 class. Mm. that saw Marshawn Lattimore, it saw Marlon Humphrey, Adoree yeah. Jackson, who's really, you know, criminally underrated, really. Uh, one big miss in Gary and Conley, unfortunately, but Tredavious White. Uh, yeah. This is a really, really good class. I really like this class. And Bryce, Bryce Hall is another, you know. Coming yeah, out I was just going to say, Bryce Hall, player. like injured. And maybe when you look at the tape a little bit, you're like, yeah, lengthy, but does he have the hips? Um, but still, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got, this, you know, you go down to like Javelin Guidry and Parnell yes. Motley's a really good player. You said you know, Gary and uh, Conley earlier. You know, Parnell Motley to me is like, you know, and, yeah. and I know that Gary and Conley is not a great player, but it's like this is bargain basement for Parnell Motley, whereas Gary and went, you know, how high? Um, uh, uh, yeah. I, I think Parnell Motley is a very, very confident player. I mean, you watch him, you watch him in those shrine practices and nobody had more confidence out there. Hmm. Now let me give you, uh, and let's start with, I'll, I'll start with you, Simon. I'm going to give you three guys. These three guys, uh, I guess. Meek fit, Robertson, sorry. They, they fit the, yeah, it's, it's a loaded class. These three guys, in my opinion, fit that bill as far as uh, what you want to your, what you want your cornerback to look long, lean, fast. I'll give you the three guys, and you tell me what you think of them. AJ Terrell of Clemson, who was off the charts in at the combine. Troy Pride Jr., who was also off the charts, and I really like out of Notre Dame. And Trevon Diggs, who's kind of a a mystery. But he's beginning to peek into mock drafts in the first round. So your thoughts on those three guys? I like Terrell. I think he's a, that kind of long press corner, good size. I think he's got good feet. I think he's got good hands. He's aggressive. Um, you only have to see him on tape to see his athleticism. I think the thing that the thing that made me nervous, I suppose, was just the complete deconstruction that he suffered in the national championship game. Um, where he just seemed to sort of fall apart completely, um, and was just you know beasted by by LSU. Justin Jefferson just took him to the cleaners, as did uh, Jamar Chase. Um, I think uh, Diggs is intriguing. I just think you know he, he just flashes everything that you you know great height, weight, length. He's strong. 
Uh, he's got good, you know, he's got good hands I, in terms of, you know, getting in people's faces and things. I, I, I'm not, I, he, he was somebody else that suffered at the hands of Jamar Chase. Um, I think he gets really grabby down the field and it makes me a little bit nervous. I, I just, I just think, I wonder how much long speed he has. Now it feels like he's not overly confident in his ability to stay with people down the field. He just gets a little bit. I think he could be a penalty machine waiting to happen. And who was the other guy that you mentioned? Sorry, Trey Pride Jr. Oh yeah, another like a real a, a big fan of his as well. Was a receiver, I think, in high school. Um, I think he, I think he was was superb uh, two years ago when everybody was talking about the kid who ended up going in the second round, his name completely escapes me. Um, the Notre Dame corner. And I actually think pride played as well, if not better uh, than him. I think he's really athletic. I think he can play multiple coverages. I think he's got good feet. I wonder about his ball production relative to his athletic ability, I suppose. And I suppose that's one of the knocks on Byron Jones, but I think you could absolutely play him. I think you'd be an outstanding slot corner and I think you would play very quickly um, for a team like the Dolphins. I, I like Pride an awful lot and I think he's probably going to go on day two. Are you talking about Julian Love? Hey. Is that Notre Dame you were talking about? Other that, corner? I think that's who he's talking about, right, Simon? Julian Love? I was talking about, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I thought he. Pla- I thought for the, uh, as a teammate, I thought he outplayed Julian Love in 2018. Yeah. So, Chris, your thoughts on those three? I mean, I'm, I, I think Simon covered it. I'm, I'm not just gonna beat a dead horse on 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 these guys, <laughs> but we've already gone over so much of the corners here. Um, I, th- I th- what I would like to go over is just the the underrated guys. You know the. Amik Robertson's, you know, out there. Um, you know, what do you think about? Yeah, and what do you think about uh, Neville Clark? We touched right, I'll on. I'll transition. I'll transition, to that and, and I'll throw to you. And I'll throw to you, Chris. All right. With the expense of uh, Byron Jones, and I don't think that they're going to be, you know, poning up a high draft pick for a lot of these guys. I think the, a lot of these guys that we mentioned are top thirty, top forty type guys. Uh, Chris, what is out there that they can, I wouldn't say, you know, not bargain basement, but later on, day three types? Yeah, I think that when you start getting into day three, that's where we mentioned Parnell Motley before. Is that a bargain basement guy that, you know, has really good movement ability? You know, he ran a 4.50, but, um, and which is good. And uh, nobody plays out there with more confidence than him. I think that um, you look at somebody like Amik Robertson of Louisiana Tech. Uh, this is a short guy, um, but you know he he reminds you of sort of like um, an Aaron Glenn type, I guess. Um, and he's he's very uh, he's a good ball hawk, and he can, he's so competitive when you look at him. And, and I know that Brian Flores will appreciate guys that remind him of like an Antoine Winfield, um, the senior, not the junior, who's a safety, and we'll get to. Um, I think that he's he's a late round guy. I think Neville Clark of UCF. Uh, I watched him again. It's it's about confidence. It's about how you play with confidence. And Neville Clark, when when I watched him at in Shrine practices, um, you could tell and you can see it on tape as well that the way he processes uh, 
the game and processes uh, what the offense is doing and what the receiver is doing. You know, he's just a, a touch faster, and and because of that, he he's able to be very confident, even though he's not the you know not the speediest guy. And I think that this is the area that we're gonna you have to look at for the Dolphins because of what they did last year when they took you know, like Nick, Nick Needham and, um, and a bunch of undrafted free agents, and they sort of had them be uh, the, the defensive backs coach. Uh, what's his name again? It's escaping me. Um, who's now, you know, coordinator. Um, you guys know what I'm yeah, talking about. Not, yeah. Um, Are we all forgetting it? That's impressive. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that guy, uh, his um, when you look at his projects, because he he kind of singled out people, and Josh he Boyer. was Boyer, Josh Boyer, yes, and and he was looking for um, analogs to sort of the the late round and undrafted guys that he was able to polish up in New England, and so that he took a guy like Nick Needham and and had him playing right away as a rookie and playing above his, um, you know, above his calling. Uh, so I think that you're going to be looking at guys like that in this draft. You're going to be looking at guys that, you know, like Neville Clark, um, Lamar Jackson, who knows? Um, I, I know that's, that's a guy that Alf that you've talked about yeah. and you like him as sort of a safety hybrid, a safety yeah. corner hybrid. And I know that Miami will like safety corner, corner uh, hybrids as well. Uh, Javelin Guidry. I know that we, we, just briefly briefly mentioned him the Dolphins have paid him attention uh, very fast very fast player uh, but uh, but played slot he was a slot specialist which is an unusual combination um, you know a lot of times your slot guys are not necessarily your burners um, and and so I think that a guy with the toughness and wherewithal to play the slot who also is super duper fast is going to be compelling um so i there's and there's there's another guy i'm really trying to i'm struggling trying to remember his name he's from fiu and i was actually told it's stanley thomas oliver the third yeah i know Uh, yeah i'm told that that the dolphins that that he's got he's got fans and the dolphins might be fans of might be a fan of him i watched him at shrine practice and quite frankly he was awful but um but he looked he is he is I, I should be more of a fan from him. I should be talking this guy up because he's from my, my alma mater. He's from, he's, he went to Charlotte high school um, in, in Punta Gorda, Florida. So, um, so, you know, he's, he was not very good in the shrine practices, but boy, did he look the part. And I think that's mm-hmm. what the scouts like and what they, they look for is the guys that really can be brushed up and coached up that, um, that look the part that move the part. And then, you know, Hey, you get them, get them away from FIU and you get them to an NFL team. And, and who knows, they could be one of these projects that like a Nick Needham. Yeah. And Javaris, I'll give you Davis is, yeah Javaris Davis is the guy that I think the Dolphins are going to, you know, four through eight speed. He's going to play slot. I think he's going to remind them a lot of Jonathan Jones, who obviously Flores would have known it with the Patriots. Um, I think he's a guy that, and have showed significant interest in him as well. Um, post the, the, the coronavirus shutdown. I think he's a guy that, um, you could look at as a quality sort of man cover corner who could um, who could play the slot. Yeah, and I'll give you another guy that uh, uh, the Dolphins supposedly kind of liked, uh, but he was kind of a, a dud at the combine, and that was James Pierre. First of all, he shrunk because he's listed everywhere as 6'2", 190 pounds, and then, and then uh, he shows up at six feet. 
183 pounds at the combine, runs close to four six, I believe. Let me, in fact, let me look at it. Look it up. Um, did he go to um, Missouri S and T? Because maybe the um, the guy who did more the of those there was just cheating on the numbers again. <laughs> yeah. Well, he went to Florida Atlantic, which kind of the same thing. He ran four five nine. And this is a guy that the Dolphins supposedly had some interest in, but he's just had a pretty bad run-up to the draft. But his tape's good, so who knows? And, you know, we're talking about six-round picks here. Okay, now where we're not talking six-round picks is the safety position. And I'm looking at that pick 26, and I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I'd make it the favorite. Besides running back. Because I, I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just see, I'm seeing a J.K. Dobbins. I'm seeing a DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, maybe at 26. But besides running back, I think safety is a real possibility at 26. Your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier on. It just depends what you like. Del Pitt, Winfield, McKinney, Chin, Ashton Davis, uh, Carl Duga, Terrell Burgess. There's some... There's some really interesting safety prospects. And I definitely think the Dolphins will want to come away with a safety for all the reasons that we talked about um, earlier in the show. Julian Blackman, you know, Brandon Jones, you know, a really intelligent, um, intelligent player. Kayvon Wallace at, at Clemson. There's a lot of good players out there that I think are lucky. Gilman might be a late round guy that really fits the Brian Flores mold of that sort of intelligent. Gino Stone of Iowa, a really good player. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of interest, and it wouldn't surprise me if they double dipped actually. But I, I do think they'll take. I'd be very surprised if we come out of the second round without having selected the safety. Chris, yeah, I think depending on where you consider Jeremy Chen. I mean, I was yeah. listening to Peter Schrager, and um, and he was saying that he knows that Jeremy Chen is going to be a first rounder. Uh, so. Oh, I mean, and he is, of course, he is a big time, uh, like athletic, I don't want to say planet theory for a safety, but it's six foot, he's six, he's a full six foot three and 221 pounds. And he runs, you know, somewhere between a four, four, oh, and a four, four, five and with a 41 inch vertical and 11 foot, six inch broad jump. Um, and 20 bench reps. I mean, he's, this is, this is a specimen. Yes. He's, he's probably going to go somewhere in that late first round area, maybe early second round. Um, but is he going to be a linebacker uh, for some teams? Is he going to be, you know, kind of a hybrid? What, where would Miami see him? Would Miami see him as sort of like an Isaiah Simmons light? Um, it's it's mm. possible. Uh, and so, yeah, you could look at him. Remember that in, in when you're picking in the first round, a lot of these teams really do want to come away with um, with a great, a great specimen, you know, somebody, somebody who's, who's a sort of a paragon for, for a football player. So a Jeremy Chin, you have to put him up there because of that. But the guy that I think we all love is Antoine Winfield Jr. Yes. And, um, and that, that, that's the dude that, you know, is he a paragon uh, for the position as, as far as size and and everything like that goes? No, he's, he's five foot nine (laughs) and 203 pounds. He's a little over five. Yeah. Um, and, and he's fast like Bob. Um, but he's also more of a ball hawk than Bob Sanders ever was. Uh, so I think that that's, that's worth considering. I think that he's got a lot of versatility in the secondary. 
He can play just about anywhere, really. I mean, he blitzes really well. He does everything. I love guys that just whatever you ask them to do, they do it really well. And he's one of those guys. He plays faster than everybody on the field. And I don't just mean physically. I mean, he is he is moving to the ball um, more responsively and and more quickly than anybody else out there in that Minnesota defense. And that Minnesota defense wasn't bad. They have some good players on it. I mean, he's just moving at a different speed than everybody there. Um, and, and that's just, it's more than physical. I'm talking about his responsiveness to the ball and the way that he anticipates. I mean, just, he's all over the place. He's, he's one of those guys that's involved in every play. And he's one of those guys that does well at everything that you ask him to do, whether it's blitzing or, you know, ask him to be in man-to-man coverage or ask him to, to be a, um, you know, zone cor- or zone safety, um, deep center fielder, whatever you ask him to do. Uh, he's, he's really, really impressive to me. Are you concerned at all about Winfield's injury history? So couldn't finish 2017 and 2018 season with with season-ending injuries, uh, including uh, I think he tore a ligament in his foot or in his ankle. Um, in 2018, does that, especially given his size, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but does, does that concern you? Yeah, it does. It concerns me. It concerns the NFL, I bet, too. And and that's the reason he's going to fall. I don't think he's actually going to make it. You know, if Dolphins are picking a safety at 26, I don't think it's going to be Winfield. I mean, right. I would think about it personally, but I don't think it's going to be Winfield. I think the NFL is going to let him fall through the second round a little bit um, because I think that they're going to punish some of these guys. That includes going back to Marcus Bailey, the guy that we talked about before. Um, it's going to punish some of these guys that haven't been able to make it through multiple seasons. Um, you know, we talked about on the previous podcast, uh, Natane Muti, and, and he's healthy right now, which is great news for him. But, also, he hasn't been healthy in his career. He's going to tumble down the board, even though he's probably the best, uh, legitimately the best guard in the class. Um, and I think Antoine Winfield is the best safety in the class, but he might he was just take clear, a tumble. By the way, Nathan Moody just had a, a physical, yeah. and, and you know, he was yeah, yeah that's what he was the, the combine cleared, and he's healthy right now, so that's great news for him. But the bad news is teams are probably going to punish him for the way he couldn't stay healthy in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Winfield might be in that boat. And so the Dolphins wouldn't be looking to pick him up probably unless it's, it's in the, the first second round pick that they have, or the more likely the late second round pick that they have. I think if they're taking somebody at 26, um, I don't think it's going to be Xavier McKinney uh, to be honest. I think, uh, I think they're going to have a high grade on Ashton Davis. We've talked about that already. Um, I don't know if it's 26 high, but it's it could be that early for second round pick high. Um, but then I go back to guys like Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin. You know the the absolute specimen guys. We didn't even we didn't even mention you know Duggar's uh, combine. Where he's six foot, a full six foot one, two hundred seventeen pounds, ran a four four three to four four nine, some depending on who's watch, forty two inch vertical, eleven foot two inch broad jump, seventeen bench. I mean, this is this is a true specimen, and he did really well at the Senior Bowl when he got that bump up. So did Jeremy Chen. So I think that, um, and if you're looking in that second, or sorry, in that late first round, I, I have a feeling they're going to want to go with like a real, you know, specimen type of guy 
Um, but if not, if they get to the second round, then you start looking at Ashton Davis because of the connections there and how perfect he can plug right into this defense. Or, you know, maybe you get a bargain at 56 with Antoine Winfield. Hmm. Now, this guy is not a specimen, okay? And I don't think he's going to be there at 26 because nobody will consider him at 26. I don't think anybody's going to consider him at 39 or 56, 70 maybe. I don't think he will be there at 141. And I've enjoyed watching this guy play. And that's J.R. Reed of, of Georgia. Uh, Simon, your thoughts of him as a player? Your thoughts of him as a fit for Miami? Uh, isn't he Jake Reed's boy? Yes, he is. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I mean, I... Defensive I, captain, I, by the way, of the Georgia Bulldogs. A big IQ player. And I think he's very instinctive. I think I've seen him play on tape. Um, I've always been... I'm just pulling up my notes yeah I've always been impressed by his instincts uh, I think he lacks kind of range and I think he, he sort of role specific I don't think you move around but I think he's tough I think he's smart um, and I think he you know that, that I think those NFL bloodlines will help him I think he's a guy that can probably cover you know a bigger slot and a tight end um, I wonder about uh, you know I, I wonder about whether you're, you're I don't think you're gonna make him he's not gonna turn into a cornerstone of your he's not you know He's not going to turn into a cornerstone of your secondary. I don't think he'd be a, a useful part. Um, but, I mean, for me, I think if you're looking, you know, are you looking at a Devin McCourty? And if so, to me, you know, stop ignoring, and this is not to you guys, but this is just to the NFL generally, stop ignoring really good college players. And I would throw Grant Delpit into that mix. You know, I mean, he, he was injured for all of last season. He's a tremendous player. Um, and a guy we haven't even touched upon. You know, this time last year, we were, we were talking about him potentially being a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he only won the Thorpe Award this year. I mean, uh, and I don't, you know, he probably won it on false pretenses in a way because I think Derek Stingley was the best defensive back in in college football. But you know, he didn't become a bad player overnight. So you know, there's there's such a there's some real really interesting volume for, for of safeties in this draft. And you know, Jarrett's another interesting guy. Um, you know, remains to be seen whether or not the Dolphins take a chance on him. Can I push back on on you, Alf, though, for a second on whether he, he you know, he's a poor athlete or, or anything like that? Because at, he's a full six foot one, you know, yeah. so that's good length. Did run for, sub four six, which was a marker that he was trying he, to hit. He ran, he ran between a four five three or four five four uh, is what I have. Um, he had a ten foot ten inch broad jump. I mean, these are these are things that you look for in your deep safety, and these are the exact sort of. Um, you know, profile uh, pieces that you look for in your, your free safety, your deep safety. And I think that he's, he ticks those boxes. Um, has he been a fantastic player at Georgia? Uh, I don't necessarily know that, but he has been a very solid one. He does his job. And I, I will say that I've been told that Kirby Smart and Chris Greer are, are tight and, uh, and that there, you would expect a pipeline of Georgia players, um, you know, from, uh, you know, from that, that pipeline. Um, oh my gosh, if I'm not, if I'm thinking of the right former Saban assistant, <laughs> but yeah, um, there, I do get the confused sometimes I have to admit, but yeah, Kirby, Kirby smart and Chris Greer are uh, pretty tight and you'd expect, I'm, I'm told to expect a pipeline, a Georgia to the dolphins pipeline because of that, the similar to what you saw with the Patriots, uh, kept picking up Rutgers players. And I think that if you're looking at that, then you're looking at J.R. Reed and you'd say, okay, well, if you don't get one of those top 
guys. If you don't get the Kyle Duggar, Jeremy Chin, uh, Antoine Winfield, Ashton Davis, Grant Delpit, um, or maybe you want to throw in Xavier McKinney in there, even though I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, then yeah, absolutely. J.R. Reed is, is right up top, you know, front and center as the next, the next available um, or the next, uh, the next man up for them. And maybe even above some of those guys. Yeah. What I find, what I find interesting is that how he's, he's kind of, he's become underrated because nobody even talks about him, but my God, the season he had in 2019, first mm-hmm. team AP all American first team, all sec captain of, again, captain of the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. A team that was contending for a national championship. Jim Thorpe award finalist. This guy can play. He can play football. He's, he's precisely the guy that I would, like I said, I'm looking at, I have the list of picks in front of me. I think uh, if, you know, pick 70 goes by, I think, you know, we're shit out of luck. We're not going to get him because our next pick is at 131. Right. He will not be there. I don't believe. Yeah, I think you're right. So they're going to have to use that pick 70 or they're going to have to try to get get another pick before that 141 mark to be able to get him. But I think that's the, his sweet spot is going to be in that third round. And, yeah, man, I'd, I'd target him. Okay, now talking about to finish up here and finish up part two of our NFL draft preview, because next week is draft week, guys. To finish up, we did this for the cornerbacks. Who are the day three guys? Simon, who are your day three guys at the safety position? Uh, I like Geno Stone. Uh, I think he's a. I think he's a really instinctive uh, player. A kid from Iowa will probably sneak into the into the um, third day. Uh, I like Kayvon Wallace, Clemson. I think he's a, a a really interesting player. I think again, he's probably a third day player. I think you know, five eleven, two hundred and ten pounds. I think he ran four five two maybe, but you know, big game player, a really downhill blitzer, the the, the kind of um, you know disruptive attacking the line of scrimmage player. Um, I don't think you necessarily want him in, you know man-on-man coverage because I, like, I think his hips are a bit sticky, but I like him as a player. I like Julian Backman of Utah. Probably going to be a second-day player. Um, beyond that, I'm not, you know, I'm not overly, I'm not over. Jordan Fuller at Ohio State is all right, but for me, it's then just, just a bunch of guys. To me, the strength of this class is is definitely at the top end. I wonder about some of those corners, like Mike, Michael Ojemudia of, of, of Iowa and wonder whether or not he would could, could kick inside to be a safety but overall, I think for me, the strength is in that, you know, there's five, six, seven players at the top end that I really like. Beyond that, I'm not sold that there's a great, you know, there's great depth. Chris, your day three guys at the safety position. Yeah, I think that we mentioned J.R. Reed. You could be right that he doesn't make it. He doesn't make it to the end of the fourth round pick if, if he gets beyond our picks. You know, if we haven't taken him at 70, maybe he doesn't make it to the next pick. But I also think that the Dolphins are going to try to slot themselves into, into uh, some pick in between those picks, between, you know, 70 and 140 or whatever that, that space is. I think that the Dolphins are going to try and move the draft a little bit and slot themselves somewhere in between there. And you could be looking at J.R. Reed there. We mentioned Kaliki Hudson um, earlier as sort of a, a safety linebacker guy, already coached 
by one of the Dolphins coaches. I think that he's um, he's a guy to really watch out for. A, a guy that, you know, some people he, – he probably won't be drafted, to be honest. But um, but I like Patrick Nelson. I can't help but like Patrick Nelson of SMU. Um, he's five foot eleven. you know, maybe – 211 213 pounds something like that um you know he's i don't know that he's gonna show you burner speed or anything like that but he is an all-around player and when i say all-around player like i mean that he can do things that that the patriots were having patrick chung do you know um he's a he's got the legitimate strong safety skill set uh as far as being able to play in the box and being able to uh to cover uh, that way and help against the run um but he's he adds on to it you know the more jobs he can do the better he adds on to it the fact that he's he's probably the best blitzing safety certainly the most productive blitzing safety in all of you know all of college football i mean he had he had 18 tackles for losses and 12 sacks 12 sacks as a safety um you know he's 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 five foot eleven 211 pounds and and he plays like this he plays like a strong safety he's not going to be you know he's not going to be a uh a pass rushing outside linebacker um and it's it's understandable that people wonder how his role at SMU can really translate to the next level because they did have him doing it so often because he was so good at it um but i think that it's I think I look at him and I see a, a typical strong safety skill set, but with the added, the added job um, ability uh, in there added in there. So I, I think that that's one to watch as maybe an undrafted free agent. Uh, who knows if somebody takes a shot on him in seventh round, but he's one of my faves. Yeah. There's a few guys that I really like and they were really good college football players like Jordan Fuller and Jalen Elliott, but good Lord, they, they ran so slow that it's almost a deal breaker. Like when you're running four, seven, you know, you can't play safety in the NFL really, unless yeah. you're that special kind of guy. And in Jalen Elliott's case, he ran a four, eight, he might've been injured, but you know, these are guys that great college football players, but you know, I don't know. I, I suspect that they're not, they're not going to be, I don't know if they're, if they're high draft picks, but maybe sixth round, seventh round UDFA types, because Teams are not going to overlook how slow they ran at the combine. Well, we were big, big, big buyers. And this is on the way out here. Big buyers on the offensive side, okay? All of us had is, of course, buying a quarterback and getting several offensive linemen. Uh, one of us even liked a wide receiver. And let me see. Nobody liked a tight end, although, although we did talk up uh, Troutman a little bit. But on the defensive end, we weren't big buyers. They have 14 picks, Simon. How many of them are defensive players next week? I mean, I don't think they'll end up with 14, but I would say five, hmm. six. Well, a, a little bit more kind of an even draft because you got to think that they're going to dump at least – well, not dump, but try to parlay two picks into more picks for 2021. So that's a, that's a pretty good approach that you have right there. Chris, how many are defensive players next week? I think it's going to be a pretty even draft because I think mm. that the late picks are going to be a lot are going to be geared toward the defensive side where I think that yeah. some of the guys like Brian Flores and Josh Boyer particularly develop guys. And so, you know, I think, DBs. I think maybe DBs, yeah, DB, DB, 
rookies especially. Um, yeah. And so I, I do believe that at least, you know, something like seven picks, six, seven picks are going to end up being defensive players, even though we are, we know they're going to spend a lot in the offensive line. We know mm-hmm. that they've been, they've been doing a lot of work there and they are going to get running backs. They are going to get offensive linemen. Definitely. And they're going to get a quarterback. We know that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of I think a lot, there's going to be a lot of defensive players in there. Yeah, it, it could be. I, I do see I see two running backs. I see a quarterback, and I see three offensive linemen. So that's that's a lot right there to begin with. But yeah, it does leave a few picks. Yeah, I think Simon has it about right. About five five defensive players seems about right, and they won't use all fourteen. I think they'll use twelve picks. So seven offensive players, five defensive players. That seems like a good mix. All right. Next week is draft week, guys. So we'll plan something for you. We'll, we'll, we'll think something up. But this has been part two of your NFL draft preview. We've given you three hours of NFL draft preview. Listen to them both. Download both. And then download them again. And then again and again and again. And give us about fifty to 60,000 downloads. All right? All right. We will talk to you guys next week, which is draft week. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.